Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our Lockdown Project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits. And today I'm having tea and biscuits with Gareth Snook. Hello. <laughs> it's so lovely to see you, Gareth. You too. Um, so first and most important question is, what is your virtual or real biscuit of choice? Ooh. Ah, right. Okay. Um, well, if when I was young, as a treat, I came from a bit of a large family, five children, I'm a mum and dad. And as a treat, we used to get the Orange Club. Do you remember them? Yeah. And uh, that was a treat, you know. So my biscuit of choice, if I could afford it, would be the Orange Club. But since we're on very hard times at the moment, <laughs> I am going to select the Humble Custard Cream. Oh, but is, it, is an Orange Club an expensive biscuit? Does it still exist? still exists yes you can get them not everywhere but you oh. can but they're not cheap <laughs> so a custard cream a classic choice <laughs> and tell me how is your lockdown going paint me a picture where are you well i'm in battersea in london and on my own in my flat and it's um it's funny really because i you know i'm pretty good at self-isolating i do it quite a lot i mean you'll understand that you know working in the theater you know, it's a very, very social business, isn't it? You know, yeah. whether you're rehearsing or doing the show, you know, there are loads of people around you all the time. So I'd rather enjoy self-isolating because you need that time on your own, I think, to, 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 to you know, charge your batteries and go back and do it all over again. But having said that, this is hard. <laughs> this is too long, isn't it? It's too long. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get up, you know, once a day, maybe for a, do about five or six kilometre walk. I'm lucky here because I've got Batsea Park. I've got yeah. Wandsworth Common, Clapham Common. So I'm really lucky. But, you know, that's only a couple of hours. And then you're back home. Nightmare. Have you been doing any DIY? What have you been actually doing? Writing? Because you do a lot of writing, don't you? I do quite a bit of writing. Hal and I, we, well, we finished our first screenplay. Excellent. Um, finished that in March. So that was pretty bad timing. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's wanting new projects now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, so that that, that will, uh, you know, we'll have to bide our time with that a little bit. So we are, we, we're discussing uh, the our next one, the germs of an idea for the next one. Yeah. So um, that's what oh. we're up Well, it's very nice to see your lovely face. And, and yeah, and to see you, it is hard. It is hard. I, you know, there's moments when you think this is fine because we're used to working hard as well. And as you say, a lot of socialising, which is which is tiring in itself. But yeah, this is too long, isn't it? Far, far too long. Right. Let's talk about happier things, which is the yeah. very first time I met you. So I met you when you were at the Globe, but not being directed by me. 
you were at the Globe in Daniel Kramer's amazing version of Romeo and Juliet playing Capulet and you blew my socks off. I mean, I have to say, the whole production blew my socks off. The level of play... And what I mean by that is it was the most unnaturalistic production anybody put on at the Globe. (laughs) It was so not Stanislavski. It was so bold. Had such a huge, vigorous physicality. Um, it was it was intoxicating, and I what I remember most, although I loved the show, was I remember seeing the final run in the rehearsal room. And I thought you were all amazing. I've never cried at Romeo and Juliet like I cried in that rehearsal room. I thought the sophistication of play and, as I say, the theatricality in that small space. I mean, I often love rehearsal room runs, but that run in particular, I was inconsolable with grief at the amazing leads. Um, But you shone out... And I'm going to say something that I hope is a compliment, but I can remember thinking I haven't seen another performer since I met Mike Shepard with that much physical precision and sort of and fizziness. I thought you were on fire, and I can remember thinking I want to work with him. He is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, talk well, I... a little bit about that production because it was nutty, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely bonkers. I mean. Daniel, who I've admired for years and years and years, of course, when he asked me to do it, how thrilled was I? Mm-hmm. I mean, not only to work with Daniel, well, to work with Daniel, to work at the Globe, hello, <laughs> for the first time, which I thought, oh my God, I'm beside myself. And then I thought, ooh, maybe I'll meet Emma Rice when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a fan of yours for so many years. Oh. But there you are, that's it all worked. And D- Daniel didn't disappoint, of course, you know, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was the superb interpretation of uh, of Romeo and Juliet. And, of course, he gave me uh, one of my uh, best entrances probably I'll ever have in my life, where he dressed me in this Godzilla outfit, which is about eight foot tall with my head poking through, and he put me on a huge glitter ball and flew me in (laughs) as I was singing YMCA. You see, I immediately, the, the, the sort of the competitive director in me thinks, surely I've given Gareth a good, as good an entrance, but I haven't. No, nothing beats that, does it? I thought it was a T-Rex. Was it Godzilla? Maybe it was a T-Rex, yeah. It was a, it was a large lizard on, it was a, on a glitter ball. Yes. And yeah. that was the ball, wasn't it? The, the costume ball. Oh, it was just fantastic. Ed Hogg on a ladder in the yard. Amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. And yeah, the, it was the first time I'd felt the tragedy really hit me because often it's annoying, isn't it? You're just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Just don't right. die, you two, and yeah. life will get better. But it was the first yeah. time that I really felt their internal pain. And as I say, saw you. And then I found out that you could sing. And I thought, oh, my God, he's perfect. And Mr. Snook, I believe you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so in the wake of um, that Romeo and Juliet... Um, I snapped you up for my, well, it actually ended up being my final production at the Globe, um, Romantics. But before we talk about Romantics, talk about your first record choice and why you've chosen it. Right. Well, my first record choice um, is uh, Macy Gray. I try. And um, for several reasons. One, I love the song. 
and B, it's a song about um, longing. About it's about um, losing something or someone that you love. And I thought, well, that's very appropriate for this for this period of life because um, you know I have a, a love affair with the theatre and I'm no longer in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and God knows when we'll ever get back to it. Um, so there's that. And also, when it was quite funny because when we were rehearsing Romantics Anonymous this time round, just before Christmas. Um, suddenly it came on somebody's phone, I think, or something, and everybody started singing along to it, and everybody loves that song. And I thought then, it occurred to me, I thought, oh, isn't this wonderful? And and I thought about the song, I thought, wouldn't it be awful if we didn't have this? And mm. here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Games, changes and fears When will they go from here? When will they stop? I believe that fate has brought us here And we should be together, babe But we're not I play it off, but I'm dreaming of you And I'll keep my cool, but I'm feeling I try to say
That's made me want to cry and laugh at the same time. <laughs> yeah. My world crumbles when you're not here. Yeah. I'm still holding on to hope, Gareth. I'm, I, you know, yeah. we're, we're animals that love to gather and tell yeah. stories, and we will find a way back to that. I'm of sure course. of it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> some days yeah. I'm sure, some days I'm not, but... Yeah. Um, so romantics so that was the first time we were in a rehearsal room together and I really hope you feel the same but I just feel that we got each other we're both creatures that love to show off and be shown off too we're um, I just love the broadness of your spirit and how brave you are and what a lot you bring to the room and I feel like we've laughed from the minute we've met in a good way yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was a whole, of course, a whole new experience for me because working with you and so, something I've wanted to do for years, and you know, never found a way, you know, to you. <laughs> so I, but I, um, because for years, for most of my forty years doing this theatre, I it's been quite a conventional route, you know. It's been with scripted plays or musicals, and you know, the the the, the creative input has been limited to really just, you know, developing characters or, or, or bringing the script off the page and stuff until I met you. And, you know, you opened a door for me of, to a kind of, to making theatre that, like, that I'd never really done before. And I'd always been a bit anarchic, <laughs> my career, which, you know, and I've been aware of it and I've had to really, really, you know, put the brakes on that a lot in the kind of work that I've been doing. But then suddenly I could take my foot off the brake and suddenly find myself in this wonderful world that I thought, oh my God, this is where I should be, you know? So oh, well, that was so mutual. And yeah, what a brilliant analogy, because I don't want anybody with their foot on the brake. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, I sort of feel the reason we do it is to freewheel and imagine ourselves at our best and our craziest and our wildest. And um, it's just, and of course there's discipline, but in many ways that's the easy bit. I feel like that we're all professionals and you are an amazing professional. So you can put the, you can always put the boundaries in, but yeah, just having that spirit of play in the room. Um, So in Romantics, you played three characters, um, one of which was Mercier, who was a rather dashing chocolate maker. Um, One of whom was a guy that couldn't really speak, which I thought would be a tiny part. We just called him the mumbler, didn't even have a name. And then also um, a a small cameo of Madame Marini. And can I say that you took all three and wiped the floor with them? (laughs) (laughs) So the the, the guy, the the mumbler who didn't speak, used to get rounds of applause in the middle of scenes. Well, it was it was a weird thing, wasn't it, the mumbler? Because I, I wondered, I thought, what on earth is, who is this? <laughs> I never really understood for weeks and weeks. And like, I was just kind of making it up and everybody seemed to be nodding and not really saying anything. And then suddenly I thought, who is he? Because then he had to speak, didn't he, at the very yes. end, when he finds his voice. And I thought, well, uh, who is he? Because he, he's got to be someone underneath you know this inability and this terrible terrible kind of thing that he's got and uh, i thought well what's the opposite to somebody who can't really speak you know nobody can hear i thought well he's he's just shakespeare an actor who's lost his nerve <laughs> lost his nerve. and that's what i played <laughs> which was so marvelous this this character incapable of stringing any words together being like the an ex-great actor was fantastic. It was one yeah. of those that we all hear about that has some 
ends up crawling around the house unable to go out it was just so funny um and that and then marini i mean she lives on i mean marini's got a whole spin-off in all of our lives hasn't she (laughs) well it was quite funny do you remember because when you booked me to do the show you i I said oh what what you know what am i going to be playing and you said mercier but we don't we don't know what else and you know till we get in the room i said naturally of course so they they came about didn't they during the first few days yes. i think of rehearsals and um so unfortunately when 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 you said that you wanted me to play madame marini i thought oh god she's gonna regret this <laughs> well it was unleashing a beast wasn't it i mean marini is a you know she's a force of nature she yeah. likes a martini doesn't she yeah doesn't yeah. suffer fools no 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 <laughs> not at all <laughs> she's oh, fabulous and again, rounds of applause in the middle of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. You're such a consummate show-off. Is that you started? You started doing these really long, high operatic notes, which of course delighted me and would bring the house down. And then you realised you had to do it eight times a week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about making a rod for my own back. Yeah. And I'd yeah. say, oh, don't worry. You can you can put it down an octave for the odd matinee. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but let's hear a little bit of that. We've got your fantastic um, Mercier song, Wings, which I thought was quite appropriate because it's about enabling people to be brilliant, which hopefully we'll all be doing again in the very near future. Miss, Miss, are you all right, Miss? Miss, Miss, your chocolates, your chocolates are excellent. Everything scares you. Right, huh? Talking to people, going to the store, living life. Monsieur Loiseau, uh, tying cravats. You too. Oh yeah, I hide it. It can be done with a little work. Even the most frightened little bird can learn to soar. I am living proof. Now, here's a thought I have never tasted. Chocolate quite like yours Such a rare complexity That every flavour explores I can see your talent You've been truly graced It would be a sin to let that special gift go to waste Calm your trembling hands, dear Someone understands, dear And I got a scheme that I think we should try People have a craving We could have them raving Let me give you wings And I'm sure that you'll fly And that's how Angelique met Monsieur Mercier Who owned the beautiful chocolate shop called Mercier I've been on the hunt for Something quite unique A signature new line To redefine my chocolate boutique No need to be frightened You will be alright You can work from home Completely tucked away Out of sight I I can't I understand what you are saying What you are singing But truly I can't My heart is racing My throat is tight I'm so tired I, I can't You can Think what this could mean Dear You'll remain unseen Dear Frightened little bird There's no need to be shy No one to observe you Nothing to unnerve you Let me give you wings and 
Wonderful Gareth Snook singing Wings in Romantics Anonymous, which was about to go to America. It was literally, how many days away were you from the flight? Oh, gosh, we were, it was a Tuesday and we were flying on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. it felt so cruel. And it's amazing, isn't it, how the story has unfolded because we felt unlucky, didn't we? We felt like we were the only people being cancelled at that point. That's right. Well, I think we were the first, really, yeah. of, of any of the theatres, certainly in this country, to shut down the the, uh, the, the uh, Los Angeles theatre shut down before anybody. And everybody was quite mad about it, thinking, oh, my God, that's a little bit over the top, isn't it? And, yeah. uh, but of course, and then the whole deck of cards crumbled. Came down. And the only thing to be thankful of is that you could have all got stuck out there. Yeah. That's if, if we had actually got you on the plane, which is yeah. secretly what I always think. I, I'm, I'm such a pusher. I think if we could get them over there, then the minute we're ready yeah. to open, we can. But in fact, you'd have been in lockdown in Beverly Hills, which Pretty sounds sure. better than it would be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's such a shame. Maybe one day. And I remember we had, um, because we were so upset, Poppy and I at Wise Children, we called a company meeting just to look everybody in the eye and say, we're sorry and we're thinking of you and we're here. And as I got on the train from Keswick to see you, I started to get the fear. It was like the reality of the situation. And I remember we were trying to navigate whether we kissed each other to say hello on that day. And I feel that was the day for me the penny dropped. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, it. Uh, I think, you know, naturally, you know, the, the, the default for us all is to be in a bit, de- bit of denial about it, isn't it? Because we don't want it to happen. Yeah. You know, but deep down I thought, oh, this does not look good. No. <laughs> I mean, that's the rest of the world kind of deep down knew as well. And the word distancing just doesn't exist in our life, does it? No. We're inappropriate no. and transgressive, <laughs> consensually, yeah. but from the minute we walk into the room, aren't we? We're exchanging everything that we shouldn't be yeah. exchanging, and that's why it's- we do it. Yeah, it's so just so alien to our profession. Just does not, the two just don't go together at all. No. Tell me about your second song choice and why. My second song choice is an old favourite of mine, uh, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis, A Me and My Shadow, only because it brings me joy. <laughs> and whenever me and a few of my friends, whenever in the past over the years have been asked, I've somebody said, oh, will you sing? Will you, will you two sing something, sing something? We always just sing this number. And again, it's a little bit like, you know, reflecting the world we live in today, me and my shadow. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of that as well. But it just brings me enormous amount of joy. I love it. Like the wallpaper sticks to the wall. Like the seashore clings to the sea Like you'll never get rid of your shadow Frank, you'll never get rid of me Let all the others fight and fuss Whatever happens We've got us We're closer than pages that stick in a book we're closer than ripples that play in a brook 
stroll Wherever you'll find him, you'll find me just look Closer than a miser or the bloodhound still lies a me We're closer than smog when it clings and to L.A. We're closer to Bobby is to JFK Not a soul can bust this team in two We stick together like glue And when it's a sleeping time That's when we rise We start to swing Swing to the sky. Our clocks don't chime What a surprise They ring A ding ding A happy new year and now to repeat what I said and at the start They'll need a large crowbar to break us apart We're alone but far from blue Before we get finished, we'll make the town roar We'll make all the late spots and then a few more We'll wind up at Jilly's right after Toots Shore. Life is gonna be a wee wow wee for my shadow and me. Say, Frank. What is it, Sam? Would you do me a favor? What do you want now? Would you mind just taking it one more time? From the top? No, from the ending. Wonderful. And while we are swinging, to mention a few, we'll drop in at Danny's, the little club too. But wind up at Jilly's, whatever we do, yeah, life, life is gonna be a wee wow Sensational. What joy. So then it all went um, pear-shaped at the Globe. I set up Wise Children. I knew that my first show was going to be Angela Carter's Wise Children, an adaptation of that amazing novel. And I knew that I needed to find Nora and Dora Chance, who are my narrators. In the book, they are two 75-year-old twin showgirls from London. And the thing I knew is it was going to be you playing Dora Chance and Etta Murphy playing Nora Chance. Ludicrous, given that you're a Welsh bloke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Etta's usually my choreographer. But I felt that between you, Etta was the real deal in that she's a hoofer. She has devoted her life to the grind and the blood, sweat and tears of becoming a professional dancer. And she's got that London um, authenticity. But I knew that you had the theatricality and the absolute um, precision, the technique that I needed for my Dora, because she carries the absolute weight of this amazing bit of writing. and then I, it crossed my mind that it wasn't okay to give one of the greatest female characters ever written in literature to a man. And then I thought, well, that's all right, because it's the whole story's going to be mixed up, like a strange gender and 
everything, snow globe, that humanity would be thrown up in this show and anybody could play anything. And by knowing that I was going to work with you really made me stick to that as a theme. So all the way through, women are playing men, men are playing women, people from all different races and backgrounds are playing everybody. And the audience just goes with it because we play it with such passion and truth that it's irresistible those choices are irresistible and it became a bit of casting that I'm so proud of because I think we sort of in a tiny way changed the world in that yeah I couldn't agree with you more I mean I was I was quite overwhelmed when you asked me because I, I remember when we finished uh, Romantics Anonymous and you said that you were doing Wise Children and ashamedly I'd never read it I'd never read it and I, I'd take myself away somewhere I can't remember on a beach for a week because I was exhausted and I thought oh I'll read Wise Children I read it because I fell in love with it thought how on earth I've never come across this before and and then I thought oh I thought oh Melchior I thought oh I'd, <laughs> I'd love to play Melchior and then about days after I came back my agent called and said Emma wants you to be in Wise Children I said oh my god what can't believe it i was so overwhelmed and thrilled and she said she doesn't know what what and i was thinking oh melchior melchior and then you came back and asked me to play dora <laughs> i've never been so gobsmacked in all my life <laughs> <laughs> fabulous but you fabulous. didn't say no thank goodness you didn't say no she's she's no. such a gift i mean she's amazing ah, what a part what a role oh god uh, every minute of it i mean uh, you know hard you know a really tough nut to crack but um what a joy what a joy <laughs> and, and i mean it was a joy but you had to really push that boulder up the hill because an enormous amount of text and really detailed and one of the things i don't think i ever said to you because i'm so busy uh, doing all the big things that i sometimes forget the small stuff but you learned it in such respectful detail that you had every rhythm that Angela Carter wrote and you really committed to that and I really thank you for that work you put in and of course with the wonderful wonderful Eta Murphy by my side what's not to like (laughs) (laughs) fabulous yeah and all the wigs and the Deirdre Barlow glasses kimono it was magic and I'm I'm, you know um, I miss that that sequined mini skirt. <laughs> Another mid scene round of applause. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we also got a chance to really, because it wasn't a musical, so it was a bit less formal, to really enjoy all the developments together and That's all it. the workshops. So my next choice is going to be Inchworm, which is a really unusual track from. Isn't it Danny Kaye in the Hans, Hans Christian Andersen yeah. story? Oh, it I think is. it is. It's a yeah. really unusual track, which has haunted me for years. Mm. And I I knew that I wanted to use this as an inspiration for, um, for the sex education song, which I'll talk about in a minute. But this is a strange song that sits in the back of my psyche and has done for years, but we used it in the development process for Wise Children. And 
I was saying it seems so innocent now, isn't it? Until Katie Owen got her hands on it. <laughs> I know. So I thought it was like a teaching song and because we had this scene of sex education, which is in the book. Um, Grandma Chance teaches the young dancing twins, girls, about sex. <laughs> and I yeah. just thought I wanted to have that sense of childlike learning, which you have in that amazing, weird inchworm track. And we ended up with the most amazing montage of our own version of that, which is uh, we wrote our own sort of children's sex education song, which we all sang quite prissily. (laughs) Shall I say that? Katie Owen, who did filthy things with bagels and and rubber gloves and and some sticks of rock. Filthy things than you can possibly imagine. And then you (laughs) sang Lady Be Good over the top. And I felt that it's, that's when it I was one. love what I do so much. All the layers. Yeah, yeah. 
And a, a bit of you's laughing, a bit of you's gasping. It's bawdy, but it's also full of soul. And you brought, because you were older Dora looking back at her life, you brought such a pathos to that. Listen up, girls. There's no dressing up what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> now, have you ever heard of the word prong? Wrong. Yeah, that's right. Just relax. Little demonstration by your grandma. Now, let me see. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hey, and I make pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I and B make trouble. Trouble. Yeah. B and B make fireworks that pop. <laughs> Like a bubble. <laughs> bubble. <laughs> now, if you would like to lead a blameless life, avoid sexual intercourse like the plague. Here we go. Oh, please have some pity. We're all alone in this big city. I love the fact you can hear the girls sort of corpse singing it. I mean, we can't see what Katie's doing anymore, but it will have been something so rude. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Natch, yeah. Hmm. Oh, so I very, very much hope that both of those shows will be back. Oh, me too. Me too. Oh, we know it. They're not finished, either of them. I hope not. I really do. And of course, I get to—I got to play Nora next to you. I got to act next to you for a while. Yes, I know, I know. Just when I thought um, uh, that, uh, you know, I'd uh, got myself another sister (laughs) with Etta Murphy, then I got myself another sister. I know, (laughs) sisters coming out of your ears. Yeah. (laughs) You were so kind to me though, because I'd got myself into—I haven't—I hadn't acted for ten years, and I'd gone into a sort of weird almost competitive mindset where I just thought I don't want to trip up the show so I just learned the lines until they couldn't go wrong um, and then was trying to learn the blocking and you used to just push me round gently I just used to feel your hand on my back going come on dear come on and you just <laughs> and then sometimes you go yeah, come, come on come stand over there come on take, take your skirt off <laughs> that was my favourite <laughs> Because I always forgot the quick change because I hated it. Go on. Go you on. were brilliant. <laughs> oh my God, you, you so quickly got into that role. Oh, my God. I don't know how you did it. Amazing. Well, I don't know. It kind of went as a blur. It made me realise that I am much happier directing than I am acting. Happy is the wrong word, but I get more of a buzz from directing. Whereas yeah. I think I just went quite... I went a little bit tight acting. I kept thinking, good, I haven't messed up that cue or I haven't you know <laughs> haven't spoiled anything but I mean I think that's also I what happens that every night. <laughs> but when you come into a show it's quite stressful because especially when it's your show and you think this is so perfect mm. this would be the worst thing I could do is to no, but it was wonderful. bloody funny though 
it was, and it was fun. funny because everybody was very respectful to me. It was like having, didn't Katie say it was like having her mum on stage? <laughs> everybody was really respectful to me for about two days. And then the goosing, messing about, you know. Yeah. All the rest of it happened. But it was really wonderful. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? So before I say goodbye to you and send you back into your exciting world, <laughs> tell me what your final choice is and why. Right. Well, my final choice is a bit off-piste. It's um, my... It, it, it was the, the best birthday present that I'd ever had in the world. Uh, when I was 60, my daughter, who's a rather very clever musician and singer, uh, wrote and recorded this song for me and we were I had there were about 15 of us out at a very posh restaurant I can't remember where it was now and she got out her iPhone and speaker and started to play this song at the table which of course reduced me to 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 a complete mess to the point where the waiters were coming over and asking if I was all right <laughs> but it was so beautiful and it was anyway so I just thought why not I'll give this Give us a shout out, your daughter's name and the name of the song. Laura, Laura, and the, it's called Dad's Song. How and amazing. she wrote it and sang it. So before we play out with Dad's Song, can I just say thank you, Gareth? I'm so happy that we found each other. I look forward to a long life of working with you because we've got so many more adventures to have. And thank you for your showmanship, your searing talent, your generosity of spirit, your professionalism and your downright good fun. I just love it. I love being in a room with you. You light up my life and you light up the stage, which is why people can't help but clap when you walk on. Ah, thank you. The feeling's mutual. When he thought I wasn't looking, he put my picture on the fridge. And all that I've created since has always been for him. When he thought I wasn't looking, I saw him stand out of the crowd. In that very moment, I'd never been so proud You may think I didn't see Or that I hadn't heard But I heard every word When he thought I wasn't looking I saw a tear come to his eye And I learned when things are painful That it's okay to cry When he thought I wasn't looking He showed me right from wrong So I decided on his birthday To say thank you in a song You may think I didn't see Um, I love you. Uh, if I don't talk to you tonight, 
I'm sure I'll talk to you in the week, eh? I love you. Bye. You may think I didn't see. If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.